So hello and welcome. I can see she's smiling on my screen, which is putting me off already. Um, so my name's Steve Pugh. I do various different podcasts on the internet and different live streams and that kind of thing. Um, one of the ones I do is called a growth strategy podcast. And what we do is introduce you to interesting people that can help your business or career. And I always tend to pick people that I kind of know in different shapes and forms because actually for one, the banter's better. But actually, it, it allows me to dig in a bit more and get to know them a bit better. But actually, I think if there's a story that's worth telling, I think it's quite funny. And also, Bash, who I'm going to introduce you to uh, today, we've known each other for about seven months, which we'll touch on. But this, I think, is the only second or third time we've ever spoken in person. But we'll jump into that anyway. But if you join us for like the next 40 or so minutes, depends how much we talk. Um, if you send in any questions, they pop up on my screen. I'm happy to kind of bring it in. And yeah, hopefully it'll be an interesting one. So there you go. Cool. Everyone can I see you and hear you? Yes. Hi. <laughs> see, this is hilarious because for someone that interviews people for a living, this is strange for me because it's strangely intimidating because I I just make up how I interview people and ask people stuff. But actually you do it for a living, so it's quite cool. Um, so you are a, a radio producer or you work on the radio, you do content, you do stuff for BBC Radio 1, One Extra, Six Music, and was it Sony Music Podcasts and stuff as well? Plus lots of other stuff, which is very cool. But you can almost introduce yourself so much better than, than I can. So would you be happy to tell people who you are, where you're from? Of course. I am, my name is Bashak Atten. I am a content producer, radio presenter, uh from west london i also do a lot of brand bits and pieces podcast production kind of all things content talent and brand is my world my wheelhouse and um it is always crazy and i love it and you also have your own show on the mba yeah. yeah. channel uh, on route and it was quite funny we'll touch on this maybe later but the how i'm trying to think how, so when I first started to advertise for extra people to just get involved with the organization and what we're trying to do and the channel and the content and stuff, from your point of view, what did you see online? And then how, I can't remember how we actually got to kind of meet mm -hmm. and start to talk. It was an interesting one because it was around the time that I really wanted to expand some of the kind of radio presenting content that I've already done. As you've touched on, I have a weekly radio show on The Beat London. I also have a monthly one on Voices Radio that I've just come from. And I just thought that, you know, live is great, but live is that one hour or there's two hours and that's it. And there has to be more um, kind of space outside of putting them on Spotify. And there has to be more kind of editorial direction that we can give these conversations so they live um, beyond that one moment and so I think we had a really nice organic meeting because I came across a lot of other people advertising as it were mm -hmm. for presenters via presently.com for those that are watching it's a really good resource that's what uh, it was. For presenters. So someone yeah. that wasn't me put the advert from LinkedIn on presently and then I started wow. to get loads of really cool approaches from like what I call professional people like yourself and it was a little bit, it was strange because it was out my depth, but also it was also really nice just to, because the whole point of what we were looking to do was almost to engage with a wider audience of people to have interesting topics around yours is about music, culture, business, etc. But actually I was open to what we were going to do. And it was just really cool mm -hmm. through a platform like that, just to meet people that I'm based in the Northeast of England, you're in London, but we would never have met otherwise. And it was quite cool. And then obviously then we went on to how do we even get onto both the name of the show? And I think I said to you, 
what do you want to create? Because it was your, it is your baby. It's your thing. I mean, and, and this is kind of kudos to you for giving me such amazing creative control. You didn't know who I was. You didn't know what I did. Uh, you put so much trust in in me to kind of shape uh, this beautiful series. And it's currently my favorite piece of work to do. It's called En Route by Roadmap MBA Channels. And it really explores the business side of the creative industry um i've sit in front of and i said this to you as well i sit in front of so many artists and, and musicians day in day out um we have a really fun fluffy bubbly conversations about really fun fluffy bubbly things uh but i i felt like there was an educational piece missing mm -hmm. and there was a kind of business-led discussion to be had um for, for young people so they know what contracts are like or they know what, what you know, the PR industry is like through doing the series, I've learned so much about the literature industry, for example, and publishing that I didn't know because I just never came across them. So uh, it's been such a beautiful education in these in these great ways for myself and for hopefully people tuning in. And and I've got you to thank for that because you kind of let me run with it. And and, and, and we named it En Route um, with that. You named it mind. En Route. But I love I it. It's good. It yeah. I always do this too. I always say we named it and he always says I named it. That's true. <laughs> But the thing that I love as well, it's almost, it's one way that it's evolved is that I'm going to jump to it now, but it was one of the questions yeah. that was going to be later on is that the original plan. So I'm 40 now and it's almost in my view on the world as a middle-aged white man will be different to yours, different to lots of other people's. And what I've really loved about the different conversations, because you spoke to Jay-Z's right-hand man, we had Martha Kinn, that's manager of Year and Years and Ollie Alexander. You have the lady from Berlin who's got the book publishing company, but we've got all these really varied people from different backgrounds, very cool kind of stuff. But it was interesting about how much culture and, and race mm -hmm. and almost history and that kind of thing comes into it. And it's something that I don't see in my regular circles. Like we mentioned LinkedIn just before we came online. I don't really see much of that. And it was really interesting to see it start to come through. And I just wanted to kind of pick your brains on why do you feel that is i mean when you say the word culture it encompasses so many things right i'm turkish let me take myself but i grew up in london but i went to an american high school in london so i have these weird americanisms that come out in my speech that i'm sure you'll you can hear uh because steve has spent many hours staring at my face unfortunately and cutting up content um and and, and then there's the culture that we adopt and the culture that we're assimilated into and the culture that we want and the culture that we reject there's all these things that are going on um you know let's take Charmaine Lovegrove as an example who is the Berlin uh, mm -hmm. uh kind of director she is a Londoner but now she lives in Berlin but she's a black woman like there's intersectionalities in every single things that we do and I think the series really shows that in a really natural way mm -hmm. uh just by being who we are and by the people that we choose to spotlight mm -hmm. Again, I was given a really wide umbrella by you that I'm so grateful for because it never once felt limiting and it really just felt like anyone that was interesting mm -hmm. to me, which is basically everybody, but it's not, right? Uh, it's, it's these textured people that have these really unique combinations of grit, hustle that we both love. Um, they've made something of themselves um, and they've done it for the good of their wider community. Mm -hmm. If I look back now, seven, eight months in, that's kind of the brief we've landed with mm -hmm. without even meaning to successful people that are doing good things um, because you are a successful person doing good things. Right. And so um, you, you want to feed more of that platform. Mm -hmm. and but, like, it, that work. Like, but the one of the things that I love is almost the, 
it's the hustle culture. I won't give the example we gave before we came next. It's embarrassing. But it's, it's one of the things that I, I rarely love is that like you had the guy that started his own record label. And he also, mm -hmm. didn't he DJ at Glastonbury or something? But you've, got, Garcia, yeah. but you've got all these really cool people that go and do stuff and they've got a passion. They start a side hustle. But it's almost, it's that creativity and drive mm -hmm. is exactly the same if you want to start a business consultancy, if you want to start an engineering firm, it's whatever. But it's just, I, you, you often find yourself around people that are uh, energy drains they just want to yes. kind of take or they're miserable or whichever and for me even though i only edit your videos with those people i take energy from those conversations because it's people i would never meet otherwise but i just go that's so cool because actually you it's great to see other people around the world who've got a drive and they've got a mission and they almost don't even care if it works or makes any money they're enjoying right. doing it and right. I think that's one of the things I, I was vibed about this was almost that the, I said to you early on, early on, it was to do with, well, what do you want to create? And almost where do you want to be in five years time? And actually, how can we help move towards that? Does that make sense? And I think yeah. it's the element of when people kind of know their North Star. For me, it, it makes more interest in businesses, but actually does that drive to get up and when you do your radio shows and all the other stuff that you do and people don't turn up and you're like, what the fuck? It takes a lot of drive and hustle to just keep going. And I, I, I recognize that, but I also, it energizes me hearing that from other people. Mm -hmm. Does that, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You're also on your own mission, right? Let's talk a little bit about that. I think um, I was so impressed um, by your genuine commitment to educational accessibility. Uh, a lot of people talk a lot of shit <laughs> and uh, through my years. I've got, I've got a quite a good discerning palette for people that really, again, mean to do real good work because it is good versus because it looks good. Mm -hmm. um, that's an important premise to talk about. And, and, and you know, you, you really were committed to uh, building this platform and building content around it for this really amazing North Star that I, that I think is so admirable. So I think, you know, you have your own mission. I've got my own mission. Mm -hmm. And along the way, we're picking up people <laughs> with their own singular missions that kind of, again, connect across mm -hmm. culture, connect across um, education, literature, music, whatever it is. Cool. Uh, and we, we, we platform each other, we spotlight each other, we amplify each other and hopefully we're left with a little bit of a better taste in our mouth for this thing. Cause the hustle is hard. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about it in a really fun way, uh, but it is, it is a grind. Um, my, my life behind the scenes is not that glamorous, but I adore the work that I do. And oh, that cool. is the payoff. So with the interviews, I love to dig into people's backstories because I grew up in uh, Liverpool in the north of England and it's that element of where true story so when I was at school my careers talk was from the local prison officer about how not to go to prison and it was almost wow. where different people around the world you have different uh, exposure to different people and actually you know for me at least I find it inspiring when you find different people from different backgrounds especially if they have come from hardship or whichever because actually you can think well actually I'm from tech heritage I live in London and you know what I'd love to get into music but I don't know anyone yeah. that does that. And then they could discover yeah. you on YouTube. But it's for me, it's when you do that, literally, I've probably done 150 interviews now over the past few years, like during COVID. You just start to build this web of just general interest and people's backstories and that kind of thing. So can I ask about yourself? Um, where did you kind of grow up? Yeah, uh, we're going way back. <laughs> I, I grew up in West London uh, with, with my family in Fulham. 
and um was always very obsessed with school okay i was a complete nerd very much loved studying and i loved um learning and didn't care that it wasn't cool <laughs> and it's funny because that curiosity has followed me throughout my life i'm a naturally really curious person and i'm naturally curious about people you have to be curious about people to do this job mm-hmm. uh and and so those things i point to as being foundational um i don't know why but west london has a different flavor than i now live in east like it's a different world um and i'm grateful for 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 what that gave me and i'm grateful for again those crossovers and culture that we naturally have as as as, as we go about our lives no cool do you have any brothers sisters i'm trying to get a feel for the dynamic i have an can... older older brother um yes um he is a chef now oh, cool. incredible food just like a very happy, loud, talkative, very, very social Turkish family with a thousand cousins and a thousand people coming through the door. So there was always noise. There was always people. There was always uh, opportunities to socialize. So we were not shy children. We mm-hmm. couldn't have been because my parents are very uh, popular. Uh, I, I joke now, um, they've got more friends than I do. I mean, they really do. They are social butterflies of the world. Uh, so so that's been such a beautiful um foundational thing to have as well as you go out in the world and also just not being afraid of people i look around me now and 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 i'm sad sometimes because as a public even though we don't know each other we're quite afraid to interact Hmm. beyond your your shoelace is not tied that's the extent of a conversation i have with people and it's like what what a loss on some level well because a lot of what your job is now is very social you can't be shy to do what you do arguably also what I do but it's that element of where I'm sure there was training involved about how you grew up in that culture and that environment where you just get thrown into the I would say the spotlight Hmm. you can't just hide in a corner I imagine and uh, it's really interesting to see actually that you were very kind of nerdy at school as well so what happened next did you go to university uh, yes, I did. I went to Queen Mary University um, and I promptly decided that I couldn't do three years in this very, I mean, the university was incredible. It's Russell Group. I studied politics, loved my degree, um, but it was on the shadiest road in the history of London, which is Marlin Road, which is, this is true, the most crime in town. So I remember being 20 years old and just not feeling safe going to university. I mean, like, no, I can't do three years of this. Let me explore other campuses and other options. Genuinely, that was my first kind of um, wow. ambition as to why. I then came across a Erasmus program, uh, which was in New York or Singapore. Now, you could mm-hmm. tell which one I chose. My father was not happy with me. He was like, go to Singapore. I was like, why would I go to Singapore? so i applied to go to new york and i still to this day remember my mission statement um i couldn't write it until the very last day of the deadline because it meant so much to me and i'm a writer as well right and it wasn't it was it was the first time in my life that i I felt fear in a real way like something has stakes and these stakes are high and you can you know throw shit at the wall and if it sticks your life will change and if it doesn't stick you will be distraught and i couldn't quite and to the point the deadline passed and they extended it and i was like bashak go home sit down and write this mission statement and i wrote the mission statement and i got in and i got accepted and i flew to new york um and that was uh, really transformative as well for for a social element mm-hmm. in terms of 
surviving in a city uh, I had one friend who was my best friend from school who'd moved, mm-hmm. over, moved over there as well so I went into New York with one friend who I lived with how of interest um, and I came out for yes. something that was so important actually I'm really fascinated by the concept because I've been there at different times about the that one decision that someone else can make that can make or break and, and you would be crippled and I remember being on the bad side of that in the past but anyway but why did you leave it so late just fear I f- absolute fear because I know how to form a sentence I know how to write a strong mission statement I'm a writer right I pride myself on what I am first is my my, my I love words the most I knew I could get it I knew it was possible I didn't know mm-hmm. if I was gonna get it but I could and I could smell it and the taste of that it's like you almost it's almost like your favorite meal is cooking downstairs and you almost don't want to believe that it's that meal because yeah. if you if you think it's that and and it's not that it's spinach and so I think I was like a weird self-sabotage because genuinely the deadline passed and I was like well, that's it then you know you must idiot. hate spinach it's funny though it's, it's with something that I don't think I don't think anyone in the world knows maybe one or two people I cried when I found out I got into uni because for a long time I never thought I would and teachers told me I would never get in and I never amount to anything. I think it's part of the fire that gives me now, but it was almost, I remember when I actually got the piece of paper in sixth form that said, yeah, you got in. And it was that way. Wow. It was that same thing. It was like, Whoa. and it's then heavy. fast forward. To after... then... There you go. I'm, I know. I agree with you. It's heavy to hold and it's heavy to conceptualize. Cause once you've gone into university, now you've got to, go to university yeah it's it's a bigger thing there's always a bigger fish i said that to my uh my nephew and he went to a very posh school got 14 day stars or whatever it was went to university also went to uh do engineering at sheffield same as i did but my point to him was he's probably going from being the smartest kid in his school to Mm -hmm. suddenly you're in a much bigger school (laughs) so you're gonna go from top five percent to probably somewhere in the middle and but that's a big life adjustment because then it's you know anyway but it's that life journey that i find really interesting is where now i had a conversation with someone yesterday and her son is 18 or so he wants to do graphic design and it was that element Mm -hmm. of where she was saying oh should he go to university and i was like well probably not but it's now i think the world has changed so i went in 2002 but it's almost depending on what you do and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but say if you wanted to get into music production, like if you mm. want to be the next Fred again, just get really fucking good at music production. It doesn't matter if you got the degree. The degree might give you some of the technical skills, but actually, for me at least, if you love it, you'll do it day in, day out without getting paid and you just get really, really good. Can we touch upon that? Because I think I've got yeah, a new go theory for, for what university is. University... Um, beyond the subject matter right um you could study anything under the sun i think you've got to study something that's really really interesting to you because you study at such a high level and such a specific level i am overjoyed that i studied what i did because i loved it um so so much but what university essentially proves to an employer and to yourself is the art of the follow-through that that that's it for me in my mind right it's like i can commit to something for four years I can um, do the necessary coursework. I can do the necessary dissertation. dissertation. Mm-hmm. I can go to the necessary classes and A equals B equals C. Um, I can get X grade. 
It's the art of committing to something at a high level. And that is an important skill to see yourself to. Um, it's a huge confidence boost as a human being, I think, working through this world, especially if you are ambitious. The only reason why I am now so much less constrained by fear is because I've seen myself do it so many fucking times. Okay. Especially when my back is up against the wall. Right. Really. So with 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 those formulas in your brain for success and you know failure for when things go wrong because they do you're kind of okay because you've seen yourself through university through work through mm -hmm. whatever it is do it time and time again so mm -hmm. university is important but you can learn follow through via a music production course to bring it back to what you've said or via whatever it is the vocation um is crucial yeah. and the time it gives you is crucial you might not know what you want to do because in your interview with Lenny Santiago, see it helps because I've edited all your interviews, but in your interview yes. with Lenny Santiago, that was Jay-Z's or is Jay-Z's right-hand man at Rockefeller, he talks about how in 1995, I've got a good memory, in 1995, um, he was just, was it in the Bronx? And he was just there. He was around music. He didn't know how to get started and he was just hustling and he would literally go and wait and stand outside offices office blocks for hours and hours and hours for the chance to see someone when they walk past to have the chance to get air get the coffee get anything get in at the ground level and then just work really hard and then fast forward what i guess now is 40 years um he he, he still views himself as a soldier so where his superpower is his ability to grind and deliver and follow through he doesn't yeah. claim to be a business strategist or some shit hot MBA guy, but actually, he 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 took that opportunity. You know, his back was against the wall, and he's worked really hard. And it's fascinating to 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 see that. So mm -hmm. I, I need to ask. So how did you go from political science to yes. what you do now? I've been asked that a lot, actually. <laughs> Uh, it was it was fairly easy in my mind because I looked around. So I, I I graduated in 2017 um BA politics I also then did it like I said at Erasmus here in New York so I did American politics there and in both of those two environments that I went to London and New York I looked around there was a lot of white men studying politics there were very few women yeah, at the time yeah. there wasn't this political climate that there is now activism wasn't cool like I chose a very um kind of dry subject on some level at the, for, for the time um adored it and I studied a lot of cultural politics I did my dissertation on white privilege I'm fascinated by identity and, 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 and how we can identify ourselves and how we can how, how our labels get ascribed to us. So I did all this kind of research, as it were, and, and, and I realized that I could go back and I could work for parliament. Mm -hmm. I could work for a local council. I could go and do these things. But I instinctively knew, I think, where social media was going. Mm -hmm. And I and I thought there's something more. There's some some work that I can do to marry this like political fire I have in me and this activism because I'm an activist at heart. I've said that so many times. This like social conscious element of my life that drives me with media because media for me is an amplification tool. Well, that is the and power. almost we are not being heard. Yeah, because that's so one of the that, things that I mean, got me was that with um, I so before COVID I'd just set up my own business and the traditional way that you uh get your voice out get your voice heard was that you write to magazines and you hope that other people give you a platform mm -hmm. and i was like fuck that why why not just create the platform <laughs> and then you can control a narrative and give voices to other people 
because actually that prevents people from it makes it harder for other people to silence you does that make sense 100 percent, absolutely and also you get to control the narrative yeah you know one thing i was really afraid of was ever just being this one thing um i think we make very quick lazy quick circuit decisions in our brains about people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and having done this job now for four or five years i am so amazed at people's depths and i don't kind of make up my mind about someone in 30 seconds or some bullshit because that's not real right i've learned that everybody has layers and everybody has such interesting stories i mean literally everybody mm -hmm. and um that has driven so much of the work that i do now and and, and the work that i'll continue to do because again just remaining fascinated and curious um serves okay. a lot because remind me what's your do you believe in visualization and manifestation and that kind of thing yeah, but I also believe in hard work. Like I think they have to go hand in hand. I don't think that I kind of sit around and like chant to the gods. I am really spiritual and I do pay cadence to that okay. when when the time is right, but I really am a doer. So that is probably my superpower. Because if there is an artist in front of me that I want to interview, I'll go up to them and talk to them or yeah. whatever. Because what was what's your big dream for five, ten years time? If you're happy I to share. I think it. for me, yeah, of course. I mean, I think for me, it's continuing down the strand. Um, I used to live with a lot of urgency that would make me unhappy because I'd be like, I'm not where I want to be right now. Mm -hmm. no, no, no. And I think the, the, the beauty of getting older, and I know I sound old saying this, is learning that everything has a season. Mm hmm learning the importance of pacing yourself and really respecting your craft. So I am, and I have been in a building phase of, of the kinds of conversations that I want to do. And mm -hmm. that mission remains steadfast. So I still would love to um, continue doing the interviews at the highest possible level um, and be the best broadcast journalist in the country. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the mission. Cause there's no reason for me to try and be number two. Why would I do that? But the things, one of the things that I love is that, Am I right to say that you're sat in the BBC at the moment in one of their offices? I am. You can Is... see the microphones. Um, so, so true story. So, for instance, when I come to London, I've been last time was June. I'm back again in November. I know you asked recently, but one of my favourite things to do is you know, there's the Cafe Nero outside the front entrance. Yeah. To me, that building is like mega cool. It's somewhere that, like, one one of my dreams would be one day to go in and get interviewed for something. I don't even care what it is. Like, and I listen to Radio One, have done for a long time. But the, my point being is that we often not second guess or overlock our own achievements, and I'm guilty of this. But my point being, you're kind of already in the hub of mm. Europe's kind of media center. So you're well on your journey. As so if you would have rewound back to 2017 and 2017 isn't that long ago, you've come so far, you know what I mean? And I, I know some of the people that you have and do interact with and they're famous people. And it's mm. that in itself, at least to me, is really cool because there will be a hundred thousand people that would have killed to get that gig. But the truth is they probably didn't work as hard for it. They didn't want it. They didn't do the hustles. They didn't do the interviews at 2 a.m. When Lenny S. Mm. cancelled on you four times and then rearranged, they were like, oh, fuck this. And it's that lack of ego <clears throat> I think people recognise and they'll want to be 
around which is kind of quite cool um one of the questions that i through editing and watching a lot of your interviews before we like broadcast them you've got all of the different people from uh marketing publishers to artists themselves and artist managers and we've had the guy who had the um oh the app it was to do with um influencers in different backgrounds yeah, you, you have chris Roach. you have all these great people yeah it's chris Roach. and um you often judge yourself or you, you describe yourself as being talent adjacent you know so you are around mm -hmm. that kind of level but one of the things i seem to have noticed especially when you talk about people trying to make it in the music industry and it was one of some one of your questions to lenny s is almost how people have to treat themselves as their own business and i didn't know if you could kind of speak to that and share some of your experience of how if someone was 15 they're good at something and they want to get to there almost just from some of your experience kind of the kind of things that they might need to do think about work on promote themselves that kind of thing really great question and a really important one i think because often it's quite daunting to be like well you have this vision and then you're here what happens in between like come on bro like, and again i go back to um follow your intuition because it doesn't actually lead you astray i probably realized that i wanted to do radio fairly late in life i was 26 years old I went to a visualization session. I don't think I've told you this, told anyone this story before, but I went to a visualization session with my old school teacher, uh, who I still am really good friends with to this day for her birthday. Uh, and the women at the session asked us to visualize what we wanted to do next. And I was kind of, hadn't quite found radio yet, didn't really know. And all I could see was a microphone. And it was really, really powerful. It was weird, like almost spirit telling me, just a microphone. And that's all I could draw. And I literally burst into tears because oh. I suddenly something clicked. I was like, oh, you idiot. <laughs> For how self-aware I am, it took me 26 years to realize that it's radio that I wanted to pursue. Mm -hmm. It wasn't TV. It wasn't. I wanted to do it for the conscious messaging aspect of it. And it made so much sense. And I felt quite late. And so for the first year of that, my drive was like nothing I've ever, ever seen. My friends did not recognize me. I didn't go to bed. I didn't sleep because... <laughs> I suddenly found the thing. And up until this point, I had been floating. And I think floating when you're young is quite demoralizing. Uh, you don't know where to put your energy. You don't know what to do. All, you know, all the um, kind of roads you pursue have dead ends because you don't know anybody. And so suddenly when I found the thing, I got into gear and I got to work. And I knew that I had to just... I had something to say and I had a very unique vantage point on the world and I was crucially empathetic to do this job. Like I, I'm an empathetic enough person to do this and hold people's stories with grace. I knew these things about myself in, in, in positive ways. So, okay, cool. So I need a video camera and I need some people to interview. That was it, right? I, I need something somewhere. And so I did my very first interview. I got in touch with a friend of mine, Derek, who now has a very successful magazine called New Wave Mag. And he was having like an artist showcase somewhere. And I said, please let me just interview some of these actors. No idea who they are. No idea what's going to happen. And I interviewed a guy called Martin. I still have that interview actually to this day on my phone to the point that I was holding up my device like this <laughs> and handing it back like that. We didn't have a microphone, right? And I got goosebumps after that session. Wow. So then I did it again. And I asked my 
friend to give me the keys to his hair salon to use it as a studio because again no resources right after hours uh this hair salon in chelsea and um he gave me the keys and i got my friend abs who's an incredible spoken word artist interviewed him got a friend to video it and i got goosebumps like real life vibrating high okay there's something here i'm gonna pursue this so it was it was that it was like constantly listening to that kind of stimulus Mm -hmm. and responding and doing and responding and kind of going cool i'm now not going to give this up because nothing i could ever do or i've done to this day and it might change one day but nothing i've ever done in my life feels this connected no i must have when i remember at uni I'd started my first business because my first business was a photography business. So I was doing my PhD, but I was on a scholarship and it was £13,300 a year. But to live off for a whole year, it's not a huge amount of money. So I started my first business to basically make some extra money. But the reason why I learned to do all of this with the cameras and lighting was back in the day. But I was, you know, I was probably 24, 25 at the time, but I, I found my thing that I loved. For me, it's actually about the creation. It doesn't really matter what it is. I just like making stuff. Mm-hmm. I used to love to draw when I was a kid. But one of my friends, Joe, uh, also serial entrepreneur, he, he messaged me one night and he had this idea. And the way I described it, I called it the sleepless night. It's when you've got that one thing that you are just so yeah. excited about and you can't sleep and your head is just going like a thousand miles an hour. And it's just, it's so exciting because you've got all this energy and it sounds like you you found that. And, and you know, I'll be honest, I think that very, very few people ever actually find something that they love to do. And I stand by the fact that for me to do all of this with the startup probably cost me a fortune. I don't make any money for it. It actually costs me money, but I enjoy doing it so much that I'm, I love doing it. That's my thing. And I think that, you know, it's when you can find something that just lights you up. If you can also get paid for it and build a career around it even better. But it, it's, you know, it's wonderful to kind of hear, hear how you kind of got mm-hmm. to that point. Um, so you never actually kind of quite touched on your recommendations for people to get into the music industry or what they should, yes. should do. Sorry, I got into a tangent. Um, whatever it is, if it's production, if it's uh, being a photographer, it's being a videographer. I mean, it's so cliche, but you have every single resource available to you via your phone. So just do and build your content, build your portfolio. Um, I've spoken at length to anybody who will listen about the power of a brand deck, mm-hmm. the power of a case study. I think I've spoken to you about it as well. I mean, collating projects. So for example, if you want to be an actor or an actress, like collating self-tapes, everything you can do within your power, you should be doing um, because you need to be telling a story. And the story is much the same to what, what we said at the beginning of this conversation, which is follow through. I love this so much and I will dedicate X amount of time. I mean, I cannot tell you the hours that have gone into my life or your life because we just keep doing. And um, if you do it enough and you knock on enough doors, Mm -hmm. London's actually quite small, right? The creative industry is quite small. There's about 30 big companies um, across the spectrum and there's even less exact, there's even less, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of goes all the way down, down, down. Throw yourself into every networking opportunity. Do not be shy. And also call yourself the thing before you are the thing. So before Fake I had even it. had a radio show, right, before I even had a radio show, I would go up to people at networking sessions. 
Hi, I'm Bashak. I'm a radio presenter. Where, where do you present? Doesn't matter. Irrelevant. I, I am this online, thing, right? Or before, <laughs> before I found radio, I was a writer and I, I'm a published poet. Cool, I'm a poet before I even published because I understood the power of perception. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree with that. And the power of, okay, well, if you're a radio presenter, well, I have this music that I want to promo. Let's connect straight away. There's someone for me to build content with. It's mutually beneficial. The industry is so beautiful in the sense that you can help each other build and grow because everybody needs each other. And I've utilized my network up teen times and I've helped my network a thousand times. We help each other, you and I, and and that is the power of community and that's the power of network. So utilize the people around you, but use your phone. The amount of times I've had a message from you saying, can you get me some eight to 11 year old children for a radio show? <laughs> Do you know the children perhaps and it's for BBC casting? Yeah. But I but I think ironically because of that you need to be good at what you do, but your yeah. network is everything. Be it, you know, there's been times in the past when I've been getting made redundant and I just didn't have a job and I needed the money. And actually through someone I knew, I got offered something better. And it's the yeah. same kind of thing is that, you know, I might I, I've hired photographers and I tend to hire my friends, but it's that element of where just go out and speak to people and share your passion and get involved. And that for me is the really cool thing that now at the start of I just get to do it at a higher level. But the irony yeah. is, is that I know a lot about business and I know a lot about the stuff that I do, but I don't necessarily know a huge amount about startups and fundraising and all that kind of stuff. But actually that for me was the beauty of where when I was looking to just help amplify interesting voices, I, I didn't give you a brief. I said, look, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> And then the amount of times that we talked about logos and color schemes and exactly what you wanted. <laughs> and I was like, for fuck's sake, just pick one. But we got there and it looks mint. But that Very patient with me. I'm crazy Virgo. That is, that's the other side of the coin. Like I am a perfectionist, as you are as well. And I and I love that. Oh, we I care. definitely am. Yeah, we yeah. really, really care. Um, but we're not afraid to look dumb and look stupid. I'm gonna borrow a quote from Beyonce because she said this quite powerfully. People are afraid to be in rehearsal mode. People are afraid to look dumb while you're rehearsing for a, you know, dance or whatever. I was not good. I'm not even sure that I'm good today, but I knew I wanted to be. Yeah, and if yeah. you do something enough times, you will become good. I wasn't focused on looking smart or looking cool. I was like, I really am obsessed with this thing. I want to sit in front of as many people. So at first it was about quantity and mm. then it became quality for myself and for the person yeah. in front of me. And now we're so specific about who we speak to on, on route. You mm -hmm. know, it's so cherry picked. There's such a frame in my mind. Okay, well, we've had a woman in this industry. We should have a man in this industry. Or there, there is a map as as crazy as it seems. Yeah. Okay. And one of the things that it one this sounds silly, but it's true. When I remember watching Beyonce Coachella, and it was the, when someone just nails something so well. As for me, she did at that thing, but it could be a sports star or a thing, or obviously I play basketball or whichever. It gives me goosebumps for them. Does that make sense? Because it's when I think it was on the, the Beyonce documentary. It's not that I'm a huge Beyonce fan, but I, I watched it. And it was all of the thousands of hours, but realistically, she started when she was probably seven. And you just see things build to a certain moment. And when it just hits, the other one which really got me was um, Rihanna's Super Bowl performance. It was only 13 minutes, but I probably watched that five times. I was just yeah. like, it was just everything about it was just executed so well. 
that I remember I, I got to see uh, Foo Fighters and this is when they toured the UK probably about six years ago and we were right at the front and it was what was interesting so you had 50 60,000 people there me and my brother were right at the front and before Foo Fighters came on it was Kaiser Chiefs and it was Ricky Martin and they were struggling to get anyone to care and I'm, I'm quite empathetic when that when I see that happen I feel it I, I want to die for them you know what I mean but what was fascinating was when Dave Grohl came on to him it was easy and same with Ed Sheeran actually last year you know when someone walks on and they've just they're that good at what they do that you can tell you can feel it you can feel the energy you can feel the passion and the experience that like when Ed Sheeran came on and I think there was like 60 70,000 people it was just him and a tiny little guitar and he nailed it and yeah. it, oh that it, it was beautiful to watch and it, but the point is some people think you just jump straight to that and you don't and even at the weekend uh, my wife and I were walking through Newcastle and there was a guy from South Korea in the center of Newcastle near it, something called Monument and he had a guitar loop pedal a keyboard and he was doing sound effects and on his own with a thing and it was excellent it was almost like similar to like Fred again kind of um, vibes but out of Berman, he was South Korean and Newcastle is predominantly white. He had a big crowd watching because it, it was because he was that good. Even like mums and dads that aren't into that kind of music recognized that it was good and they just stop. And when I see that, I get goose. I love that. I, you know, but for me, you get that when I watch, you know, some of your shows, not all of them, but some. But you know, when you see someone that's just rarely kind of just they've got it, even if it's only for a little mm -hmm. bit. Oh, it lights me up. And that's part of the reason why I love to do this, just to kind of ask people their, their stories and stuff. Um, I'm very conscious of your time and also you're sat in a very impressive building and that kind of thing. Is there anything you would like to talk about before we kind of start to wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, why did you choose to... You could have done anything with your time and your energy. I'd love to hear a little bit about why you chose to pursue your mission via the lens of education specifically i think it was because the impact it had on me is the honest mm. truth that what was funny is that i wasn't nerdy at school i was i had the talent but it wasn't harnessed and i didn't really realize the benefit of learning until realistically probably i was already at university mm. but there was a lot of people that kind of went over and above to help me you know i was terrible like i'm good at maths as a global thing but actually in that very niche i was i needed help and there was people that helped me and there was a lady called elena that's been a guest on the podcast to help me with some other stuff but there was lots of people that helped me get to where i got to that if i didn't have that extra help and people went over and above i wouldn't be here but then also when i actually started my career the one thing that kind of got me was that if you wanted to learn business or career skills to actually, you know, how do you build a business? What's business strategy? How do you want? It's really difficult to do, but also it's often exclusive to rich white people. And the truth is that growing up, I could never afford it. And even when I started my career, when I was 26, 27, it was well out of reach, just not a chance in hell. But the truth is the more I did and the more I read and the better I got at it, I just wanted to make it so that people from, you know, I was raised by a single parent. But I'm, you know we've done well now but it's almost where we overcome so much challenge to get to that point but also because i'm good mm -hmm. at learning stuff and i have a platform that i've built i also realized that if i don't do it i'm not sure anyone else will which is brutal because they would just get overtaken with other stuff 
But ironically, because of that, it gives me the drive because actually I don't want to let other people down. Because I got told in this room on Monday, there's a guy that was like, look, I love what you're doing with the roadmap. I've quit my job. I'm going to start my own business. I was like, fucking hell. But the point is that there's so many people that they want to learn the stuff to progress in their career, to get promoted, or just to make their business viable to pay their bills. And the truth is almost everyone else, if you can't pay, they don't care. And if you're from East London, West London with seven kids, or even if you're a multimillionaire, I think the ability to access the information to help you feed your kids should be free. But, you know, so we have users in 56 countries now, but it's that element of where you have know, spent a lot of time in America and America is very commercialized. Like with, mm-hmm. um, oh, I'm a big fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda. So again, I love um, yeah. Hamilton and that kind of thing. But, you know, in uh, Washington Heights, the film, there's a scene in that where essentially one of the characters, there's the big thing about the lottery ticket and what would they do if they won and his big thing was well i would spend it on business school so i could learn how to do whatever and the point yeah. is i think most people know there are there is a universal benefit to do it but the point is over half the world's population lives off six dollars a day and they can't afford to go to harvard or durham or london school of economics but the truth is almost all global providers don't give a shit i do because i've been there so it's that element of you know it might still crash and burn and fail but that's my mission and you can't really take it away from me because i own my own platform and i do all the stuff and you know i hire cool people to help me get the message word out it's just it's i enjoy it this is my kind of do you know the phrase ikigai which is your kind of life's meaning and you can bring all the different passions and stuff together that it's just i personally feel i'm in the right place at the right time to do something that i think can make an impact and it might not, but I'm going to try. Is uh... it's making an impact already, and, and then to to my life, if not to you know the people that are regular kind of subscribers to the programs, and you know I I feel honored to take your message forward as well. And in this way, again, it comes back to the ecosystem. Um, you you've helped me explore this whole new avenue that I wouldn't have done otherwise, and hopefully I've helped you bring more people um in, into awareness and. And, and, and show again with a little grit and a little perseverance. Um, I think we're both testament to that. One day yeah, you can go. I'll get my interview at the BBC. That's one of my dreams. But going back to your thing about practice is that when, so podcast interview is a bit different because it's an interview. I'm, you know, I'm talking to someone. But when I do my live shows on a Friday morning, which is a different setup, same room, but it's just, I present topics and ideas. All of that is just practice. I don't care if anyone watches. I don't care for me it's literally it's it's learning how to speak and practice and pace things and do, so that if in five years time i get to speak on a ted talk stage i've put in thousands yep. of hours but i genuinely view it as practice i don't care if what happens and that for me is the thing because i just want to get better if that makes sense but um, and almost kind of that detachment from the outcome is easier than obsessing mm-hmm. over i must be here yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool um so i am conscious of your time so towards the end of every interview i have two questions that i tend to ask everyone they get their own place on youtube and actually in many ways it's my favorite bit um the first one is would you be happy to share the best piece of advice you've ever had Ooh. so many 
we had a really good one for this and i've completely gone out the window that are we so many but the the one that i now think about is two so there's two of them but they're similar so one is um one hand washes the other mm-hmm. and the other is brick by brick and i think it speaks to where i'm at and that kind of continual continual relentless mm-hmm. obsessive small action every day that can lead to big action over time again those ten thousand hours um that's where i'm at right now so sometimes sometimes on the craziest of days when i've got a thousand things going on i'm like one hand washes the other like again time pace and commitment those those, those are the spaces i now occupy so that i don't ever overpraise myself but i have an amazing interview and things are great and you know and i don't ever feel um uninspired because uninspired for me is a dangerous place to be in and we've spoken about this ourselves personally and so the 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 pacing for me is crucial because i have all this energy and all this love and all this passion and um sometimes taking a beat and taking a moment matters i think it's very cool and i think it's it's true for a lot of people that one of my early guests um basically said that you know say business or life is a marathon it's not a sprint so if you genuinely plan to keep doing what you're doing for 20 years you don't have to do it all today or tomorrow and for me it's the element of where at the end of each day i don't do like the whole tony robbins thing where i write to journal but it's almost about but i do think i did some good stuff today even if like nobody else would ever know but it's one tiny little change that you just build things brick by brick one tiny little bit at a time and then the thing that i'm quite guilty of is that you know i still remember when covid first hit and i started to do live stream interviews literally in our spare bedroom at home and it was in this tiny little room it was that ironically the same camera different lens but i used to take pillows off our bed so to put them on the camera for like soundproofing and i had this dream to you know what have a room and have a studio and do this stuff it was a dream and then fast forward like two years or so and then i got it and i built it and i kept improving it but it's just funny that you you know if i was to look back to before i even thought of the roadmap which is really early days when it was just a word document to now i'd be really proud of that but then ironically now i'm like yeah but why aren't i further ahead why don't i have this and it's that element 100%. of just being kind on yourself as well um the other question i love to ask as well if you were to give advice to your younger self and you can pick yourself the kid that hates spanish obviously the person at school the person at university and or new york or whatever else you want if you were to give advice to your younger self what would it be stay the course again same similar brain of like i was always someone that had such a strong self esteem i never really gave into peer pressure you couldn't pressure me to do anything i did what i wanted i was very strong willed um but, but i wish i had less moments of doubt uh, growing up and to be like is this the right because there is a language for this yeah there is a, there was a language i was trying to find for so so long that i think i wasn't as kind to myself as i could have been in the journey of that um and in the exploration of that evolution is a beautiful thing mm-hmm. and i'm excited to see where we are when we have this conversation again in five years or whatever it is or two or one or six months um i now love evolution i'm in love with my own evolution and growth and I allow for that space. So I think just kind of more will be revealed to you if you stay the course. That's my mantra for myself. And 
again, much like you've said, if you want to do this thing for 20 years, or if you know that your wife was the woman you wanted to marry, you don't have to rush into marrying her. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Who's your kind of media idol? Who do you kind of look up to? Who's your North Star? I think Michelle Obama has to be the one because yeah. she's leveraged political power and her personal her personality in a way that feels genuine and authentic, but she's still a bit removed. She's still a bit of a celebrity, but she's not so unapproachable that um, when she talks about, you know, marital issues or mm. depression or this, down the other, or miscarriage, I mean, these are real issues that she does not need to disclose. And she does, and she chooses to have that line of communication with her audience that I think is so beautiful for someone of her stature. Mm. And that's like a humbling piece to always keep in mind of like, no matter what, we may do or try to achieve we are ultimately human and we go through very human things and mm -hmm. painful things and um our accomplishments are forever interwoven with our pain and then and honoring both matters and i think she does a really good job of being really boss ass lady and a real life person no cool because i must sit with um the thing that i love about that because i've read both of obama's books i haven't read michelle's book yet but it's that element of when I love that they've been together since they were like 18. And there's photos in his book when he's got the Afro and they're literally just students. And just to think about that journey all the way through to say being sworn in, mm. mind blowing. Cause actually you can't see it now, but behind my desk over here, I have a, an inspiration wall. So I play basketball. So I've signed pictures from lots of famous people. But for me, it's that element of where for me, it's just, again, it's, getting lit up through other people's success does that make sense and it could be a speech it could be anything and i just it kind of that's what gets me up every day and it's the element of we all have crappy days where you think oh you know what i just can't be bothered today and sometimes that's fine but actually you know i always think well what would kobe bryant do he'd tell me to get fucking back on the bike or whatever it's and it's that element of just i i personally get inspiration from people like that that really kind of help lift me up um so where can people kind of follow you on socials what radio shows can they find you on that kind of thing i am on instagram predominantly on bash london bash ldn and um you can follow our beat london radio show via the social show on instagram as well the social shw i don't know why i've abbreviated everything but i have uh, and um and yeah if you if you have any kind of questions if you're trying to break into this industry please do dm me i'm pretty hot on the dms and respond pretty quickly and can help no yeah. cool well considering Chat. we've known each other for probably seven eight months but we've only actually spoken face to face on zoom three times we've never met in person yeah. um I know. it's been honestly really like nice just to hear more about you and your backstory and that kind of thing so as we i haven't edited your most recent interview yet but it's almost where i for me that's what builds the depth of your career you know what i mean it's i like working with people where i know their backstory but then likewise it's when opportunities come up you can join the dots uh, and then likewise as well if you ever need any more children for patrick keelty radio shows on five live or whichever just shout and i use my network and do whatever i can many god all yeah. the children well, no thank you so much honestly for having me it's been such a pleasure to just even have this moment and remind ourselves why we do what we do sometimes it's tough but yes it's worth it so yeah thank you for your time and uh, i'm sure i'll speak to you soon yeah, okay thank you Cheers, bye bye bye, bye.